This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and Mar Vista, California. And now, the host of the Dead Authors Podcast, Mr. H.G. Wells. Hello all, I'm H.G. Wells, and welcome to this very special addendum to the Dead Authors Podcast. What a rare treat it was to travel all the way to Super Week in the skyscraping city of New York City. And how fortunate that our guest for this addendum was William Butler Yates, or as I call him, W.B. Author of All Manner or Whatnot that Dunn gave him a Nobel Prize for. It was my profound honor to meet Ham. It only remains for me to thank them good old boys and gals up at Super Week and W.B. Yates for his time. Thanks also to David Reese for no particular reason. Now please enjoy Addendum 5 of the Dead Authors Podcast with William Butler Yates, recorded live at Super Week in New York City. Well, thank you. Thank you very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Flash photography at the back. Why not? Why not, I say. What a, what a pleasure it is to be here in, uh, in New York for the first time in Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn, yes indeed. <laughs> now, year, years ago, this wouldn't have been uh, even considered the idea of coming to Brooklyn. Can you imagine it? I mean, it's not, it's not long ago, you were a penal colony. But now look, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, how many people have, uh, are familiar with uh, the 826 organization? <laughs> wonderful organization. They, uh, they uh, tutor and, uh, and mentor children. They help them with uh, creative writing. And so they're, they're, there could be future guests of this program in the audience right now. <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. I don't believe there's any children here. Are there any children here this evening? There shouldn't be. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm so, uh, so pleased we haven't lost anyone in the great venue purge. Originally at some place called uh, Brick, with no K, just the C on the end, which uh, seemed very Soviet to me. I didn't care for that at all. It's very alarming. Where's the K? Um, but now we're, now we're at the very confusingly named <laughs> Littlefield NYC. I don't know. Uh, did it used to be in New York City? Does anyone know? No one knows? No, no Littlefield super fans here this evening? Well, what a, what a pleasure. How many people are not at all familiar with the Dead Authors Podcast? Have, have, no, have no idea what this is this evening. By a round of applause. <laughs> Always nice to, to see the enthusiastically ignorant. Hooray! I haven't the slightest idea, nor do I want to learn. Well, I'm sorry to say if you stay in the building, you just might find out uh, what happens here, but... Uh, let me tell you uh, now, in case you, you need to make a, a run for the exits, uh, essentially the show is this. Uh, I bring uh, authors um, from the past into the present via my time machine. I am the author of the time machine. Has anyone read the time machine? Have you really read it? <laughs> H- heard of and read are not the same thing. 
Seeing a film is not reading, even if you count the credits. Um, Invisible Man, The Invisible Man. How many people have read The Invisible Man? What's, what's the name of the protagonist in The Invisible Man? That's what I thought. Island of Dr. Moreau, that's a cracker. <laughs> less and less people. <laughs> but to stop now, I, I, I hesitate to get to the bottom of my CV and have just absolute crushing silence. Well, I assure you that I am uh, quite a big deal in science fiction circles, uh, given that I created the genre all by myself. Now, see, that fellow's being, uh, he's being h hilarious right now by saying, we love you, Jules Verne. You're not an actual Jules Verne fan, are you? No, I, I, I do appreciate your hissing. Thank you very much. But, but it, until we can actually tie him to the tracks of a train, the hissing will, will avail us not. Uh, are you a Jules, Van, uh, Jules Verne fan, sir? What's that? Way better. Implying that Jules Verne is somewhat good? That, that can't be right. Science fiction, here's what I think science fiction is. Um, there's a chap who can turn himself invisible by means of a scientific potion, right? Uh, that's science. Also, didn't happen. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, a submarine encounters a giant squid. Last I checked, we did have submarines, and there is such thing as a giant squid. It's barely science, let alone fiction. I trust I've made my point for the one millionth time. Anyway, ladies and gents, uh, we're very pleased you're here. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, uh, I'm very pleased to have uh, uh, this guest who uh, stepped in at the last minute. We were originally going to have E.B. White here this evening. Um, but uh, he, 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 didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to do the show after he received a mysterious message in a spider web. a bit too lally. And so filling in uh, this evening, uh, the acclaimed poet and Nobel Prize winner, take that, E.B. White, please welcome to the stage William Butler Yeats, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> take a seat. There we are. Uh, Mr. Yates, would you, would you care for some, uh, some water? Oh, I see you have uh, nine drinks. Yes, well, you should just enjoy those in order. Um, thank you so much for being here. I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed your, your trip in the time machine. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I'm still a little discombobulated, but I will say, HD, I'll give it to you straight and plain. I've never been in a time machine before. Oh, is that so? Not to say I haven't done... Yeah, you haven't been in a time machine before. No, sir, not to say I haven't done a fair share of traveling in my time, of course but never traveling through time, so to speak, with the brass knobs and the leather banquets and whatnot. That's right. Yes. Anyway, it's nice to be here. I've never been in Brooklyn before, and uh, so happy to all of you for coming out for such a good cause. And uh, if there's anything I can do to help you help me drink these pints of Guinness, it'll be my, absolutely my, my pleasure. Oh, I'll certainly lend you a hand. There we go. Slantia. Oh, slantia. I don't understand why you people drink that. Um, <laughs> does, it, does everything have to be bog-centric with you all? Nothing beats a good bog. 
You ask a man in a desert, you ask him his darkest, deepest fantasy, what's he gonna say? Me, knees deep in a bog. And I'll nay second guess him. A bog can satisfy most of your needs, physical, mentally, and spiritually. They can all be found in a bog. What are the, what are the spiritual uh, needs that are satisfied by a bog? Oh, various metaphysical things, you know, the darkness, the centeredness, the depths, the bogginess of man's condition, of course, you can find it reflected just about perfectly in a bog. So, pretty, pretty logical. Um, I wonder, Mr. Yates, if you might, if you might uh, uh, favor us with a reading from one of your works. Well, I won't read it. I'll recite it from memory since I fucking wrote it. It's not going to be a problem. I say, this never happens. This never happens. It's very exciting. It'd be my pleasure, and thank you for asking. But of course. Let's see, what shall I do? I surely know you know this one. There once was a flatulent fellow who produced a remarkable smell. Oh, what a racket. His nickname was Jacket, for he was a windbreaker. Hello. <laughs> I like having fun. I like to have fun. Yes. Yes. Certainly, certainly. Um, Mr. Yates, I, I, I do forgive, I, I do hope you will forgive my impertinence, but uh, that's not one of your better known uh, poems. Okay, so now we get into a central, uh, a central conundrum in, uh, with regards to me career. What's that? I said now we're getting to a central conundrum. With central conundrum. With regards to me career. In regards to me career, yes. <laughs> you nailed it so to speak, to coin a phrase, which I do quite often, actually. Thank you very much. So I am the first Irishman to win a Nobel Prize, and I won it for my poetry, and I was very proud, and my mom was proud, and my dad was proud, and of course I got a ton of money, a whole heap of money. Certainly. You know what they say, you win that Nobel Prize, and the Swiss just back that truck right up. It's a wonderful thing to wake up in the morning and hear that deet, and you say, aye, that's my Swiss money showing it's up right about now. The money lorry. Those Swiss Franks about to drown me. I'm about to be drowned in a bog of money. Have you ever done like, something like that? Like your countryman Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Actually, I, I beg your pardon, but my understanding, he's Scottish. Oh, that's fair play to you. Fair play to you, Mr. Yates. All this to say, all this to say, however, that yes, of course, uh, when, I, when I went to uh, win me Nobel Prize, when I set my sights on this goal as a, young, as a young lad of three or four years old, quite precocious, they said, well, you'll never win it for writing limericks. They simply, they simply won't award a Nobel Prize in poetry for limericks. And I said, well, up until this very moment, that's all an Irishman has ever written. It's the only literary form to which we have ever aspired. And they said, well, Willie, if you want to win it, I should say that uh, my friends call me Willie. And the lads down at the pub, they call me Wee Wacky Willy. <laughs> On account of my Wacky Willy getting me in a wee spot of trouble every now and again, but that's fine. It's all in good fun. They said, if you, if you aim to win this Nobel Prize, Willy, you cannot do it with these limericks. You're going to have to write something a little more serious. I said, how hard can that be? I'll write a limerick about somebody falling off a log and dying, drowning in a bog, whatnot. <laughs> right? There once was a lady, McClog. She fell off a log in a bog. She drowned and she died and her husband decided. That's about as far as I got on that one. Oh, then they so close! So close! 
They said, you know, that simply won't do. You're going to have to write some heavy-handed, symbol symbolistic, metaphysical, dark, unrhymed poetry. I said, who ever heard of such a thing? They said, it's quite all the rage over in America. I said, oh, I'll give it a shot. Then the second thing they said was, and when you go to recite these poems in concert halls all around the world, you cannot speak in your regular voice. I just about nearly took offense at that. They said, no, you must speak more ponderous, with more authority. I said, like this? <laughs> they said, dial it down a little, Willie. Dial it back a little. <laughs> Having said all that, Having given you appropriate context, it would be my pleasure to recite one of my most famous poems. One of these prize-winning poems. Basically, this is a poem that bought all these pints of Guinness for my friend here and I. It's called The Second Coming. Woo! What do you think about that? Do I have your attention now? The Second Coming. Don't that sound oh, like a mouthful? Pl playing all the hits tonight. And I'll do it in my Nobel Prize-winning voice. Turning and turning in the widening gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, the blood-dimmed tide is loosed. And everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight somewhere. In sands of desert a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches to Bethlehem to be born. But that's a handful, isn't it? <laughs> There we go, William Butler Yates. Nobel Prize winner. You're looking at a Nobel Prize winner. And if you don't take that poem seriously, fuck you off. Well, you can't. That's got everything in it. It's got a falcon, can't hear the fucking falconer. Falcon's gone deaf. You don't know where it's gonna fly. It's got a widening gyre, okay? That's a vortex spinning out of control. It's got a beast with the body of a lion. And just when you think it's gonna have the head of a lion, no. Well, he puts the head of a man on it. Yeah, ponder on that. Right. Most, most people, when they hear a beast described, they say, well, it's got a body of a lion. Uh, they would think, well, he's describing a lion. He's going about it in a terribly ponderous oh, I way. Zig. Why do you think I would zag? Say, why doesn't he just say it looked like a lion, the body of a lion? Then, kapow, out of nowhere, head of a man. And that's why they call me Wee Wacky Willy down at the pub. Because you never know where my animal descriptions will take you. It's got the foot of a crow and the trunk of an elephant. And the dress of a music hall dancer. And it's got something to do with death and it's coming for you, so don't you fall asleep. Don't you ever fall asleep when I'm describing an animal. Word to the wise, word to the wise. Oh, a belated uh, congratulations on that Nobel Prize, by the way. 
Have I mentioned that I'm the first Irishman to win a Nobel Prize and I got a you shit have. ton of money for it? You have? Okay. Several times. The show is one minute old. Uh, you were born in County Dublin. Um, oh. Your family was very artistic. Uh, you, your brother Jack uh, was a painter. Um, your sisters uh, uh, Lolly and Lily. Uh, they became involved in the... In I'm sorry, could you repeat my sister's name just one more well, time for the record? They were called Elizabeth and Susan Mary. They were the, the given names. But uh, you, they were known to family and friends as Lolly and Lily. And I was Willie, and that makes three. Lolly and Lily and Willie. By the, golly... We... <laughs> take, Hold take, on, I can do it. Take I another go. It. Yes, take another go. You, you got to understand, I came up in the freestyle limerick battles of Dublin. I can do this, I can do this. Lolly and Lily and Willie. Had to happen to be in a bit silly. Said Willie to Lily, go get old Lolly. Let's go for a ride on that trolley. <laughs> oh, I think, I think we, no, no, I'm sorry. I can't allow applause for that. Come on now, off the top of the dome, off the top of the dome, no, mind it, you, off the top of the you, dome. But you, but you do have to adhere to the classic uh, limerick structure, do you not? Well, it depends on how many prizes you want to be winning. <laughs> well, now, to be fair, you didn't win the prize for your limericks, did you? No, they're It was that ponderous thing about the Antichrist. <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. In order to win my prize, it's important to have goals. Any young writers here this evening? Any struggling writers? Always, dropping like flies. Always tweeting and Facebook and about, oh, I'm having such a hard time writing my novel. I'm having such a hard time writing Yeah, maybe it's because you're writing about how you're writing your novel and you're not writing your novel. You should be writing your novel. Should take your computer and throw it outside and bury it under 20, 20 pounds of dirt and then get to writing your novel, okay? Like I did. With a quill. What? Thinking of a spokesman. Oh, I thought you were saying they should bury their computers like you did, and I was very confused. No, no, I've never used a computer. I never so much as touched a computer. Well, why would you? <laughs> why would I? I've already won my Nobel Prize. How many Nobel Prize winners are here tonight? Can I buy, just by a round of applause, not how many, many of you won the many. most prestigious award for literature? Okay, that's right. Oh, What's you that? want to be a novelist, should leave right now and go home and work on your book and turn off the electricity and write by candlelight. <laughs> While thinking of lion-beast-man hybrids. Um, you grew up at a time... <laughs> you grew up at a time when the, uh, uh, the, 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 the country was changing. Ireland was changing. And um, the, uh, the Catholic movement was... Uh, uh, for, for, uh, the, the, the movement for, uh, for independence... Um, and I, Irish nationalism was now coming from uh, the, the working class uh, Catholic people. Um, and so it was a, it was a, a huge uh, time of, uh, of tumult. Um, and your family was, uh, was supportive of the, uh, of the changes uh, that Ireland was experiencing, um, the, the nationalist revival and so forth. But uh, um, the idea that, uh, that you had come from a Protestant background, uh, uh, things were changing. And that, that informed uh, the rest of your, your work and your life, didn't it? Well, that was a lovely recitation of facts about my family, and I thank you very much for that, HG. I mean it sincerely. Well, I mean it sincerely. Thank you very much. I if there was a Nobel Prize for reciting facts off a screen... I pride myself... ...with a minimum of emotional investment, surely you'd have a lock on that prize, my friend. Well, now, to be fair, to be fair, I recite the facts so that we can hear about the, the emotional investment you might have in said facts. I have no emotional investment in those facts. <laughs> well, all right. Next fact. It's going, it's going to be an interesting interview. <laughs> you realize I like having fun, okay? I like to have fun. Life's too short not to drink beer for breakfast. 
Why are we going to trouble our minds with the Protestant history and the Catholic history? Everybody knows the good guys won. Ireland's independent, thanks to me. Another feather in my cap. <laughs> well punctuated. If you like to have fun, and, and you, you, you find these, this recitation of facts tedious. HG, if you're offering a fun challenge, I accept. Oh, yes, I am. In, indeed, I am, sir. I dare say it's time for a good old-fashioned freestyle limerick battle. <laughs> I take you up on that, HG. I never turn down a battle. You know what they say. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already, mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. Having said that, give it your best shot. <laughs> uh, there once was a writer named Yates. Most people said he was the great sist. Wait, now hold on a minute. <laughs> Oh, I thought we were trading lines. I thought we were to be trading lines. Is that how the freestyle limerick battle goes? Well, are we playing exquisite corpse? Or are we playing standard? Uh, you set right. your parameters, lad. Let's, 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 let's start it again. We will, we'll, we'll trade lines. We'll trade lines. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you another shot at that. We should have a chess clock line. where we <laughs> tap in and tap out. That's right. Do you have those in America? Chess clocks. They have. They have chess, chess clocks. They have these things. Anyone they have, have one chess in their bag? clocks in America. Okay. Don't, don't, you know, I, I do want to know the answer to that. Does anyone have a chess clock in their bag? No. Very well. It's a shame. There once was a poet named Yeats who loved to drink pints with his mates. He oft drank too much. and got sloppy and such. <laughs> and they found him passed out at the gates. I say that's a draw. Cheers to you, HD. Cheers to you. Now I'll be the one starting this one. Steal yourself, lad. Oh, certainly. This shall be a rough and tumble ride. <laughs> There once was a genius named Vern. Who in hell would eternally burn? Or so HD thought. And his heart dearly fought. And I can't remember what the first word was. Oh! I believe I've won the freestyle limerick battle. Very well, 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 well played. I wanted to. Well played, I wanted so much to drop the mic, but they're rentals. <laughs> now then, um. I, I, do, I do want to inform people about your life who, who may not know uh, your background and, and all that. Um, is, there, is there a particular topic about which you'd like to speak? Well, I'm crazy about smoking marijuana, if that helps. 
<laughs> Certainly, absolutely. Well, as some of you may know, I'm quite known not only for my Nobel Prize that I literally won, but also for my interest in the occult. Yes, you're very interested in the occult. And, and Theosophy uh, and numerology and all these things, portals and pathways between our world and the world beyond. Communicating with those spirits who've accrued more wisdom and knowledge than we have ourselves, toiling in this mortal plane and whatnot. Yes. And I found that smoking a shit ton of pot really helps you access those, <laughs> those types of things. So when you joined, uh, you joined the, uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and this is <laughs> a, a very famous occult group. Now, why does that make you laugh? Well, it's just, it's so obviously the name of a group of a bunch of lads sitting around getting baked. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. You said, yes, Timmy, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do quite nicely, Timmy. <laughs> I said, I don't care what kind of order it is, as long as it's hermetic. Certainly. I don't want to be in some non-hermetic order of the Golden Dawn. Silver Dawn, Golden Noon, whatever. Make as long sure it's, it's hermetic. hermetic. It's yeah. got to be hermetic. There's one thing you need to know about me. If you want to be my friend, we got to keep it hermetic. <laughs> Do you feel it's your love of marijuana that uh, uh, lends your accent a sort of Jamaican, uh, <laughs> Jamaican feel at times? I never realized how close those accents were before. It's fascinating when you think about it. I and I have also have often noticed sometimes, every so often, that when I think I'm speaking in my, the brogue that I inherited from my dear mom and my dad, and sometimes it drifts into acreage more often populated by Rastafari. Fortunately, in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, there's not many people there who can hear so well on account of the screaming and the laughing that we do until wee hours of the night, and so most people don't, don't so, notice. Well, it's just so hermetic. Um, I you, that it is. You were, <laughs> you were also a member of a, a, an organization, a paranormal research organization called the Ghost Club, which had many, many famous members in addition to yourself. Charles Dickens was a member of the Ghost Club. Ah, Charlie Chucky. Did you? <laughs> Charlie Chucky. Is that what you called him? No, those are two separate things. I beg your pardon. Those are... We were not so obtuse as to give a double Charles nickname and apply both those nicknames to a single Charles. No, no. I said, ah, Charlie, comma, Chucky. <laughs> Some of, some of us in Ghost Club, and I want to tell you one thing right now, that was a really fun club. The Ghost Club? And I miss those meetings so, so much. You know what we did, right? We fucked about with ghosts. Yes. Yeah. What, what was the first rule of Ghost Club? <laughs> the first rule of Ghost Club was, this is the best club. <laughs> Number two was, there's a lot of ghosts. <laughs> Did you actually did you actually see any ghosts as 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 a member of Ghost Club? Oh my HG. There are ghosts everywhere. I there's say. ghosts here. There's ghosts here this evening. And if you were a card carrying member of Ghost Club, you'd see them just playing as day, just like I do. Ghosts are a lot of fun, I'm gonna tell you this. One ghost provides the fun of ten mortal men. Is that so? In terms of the anecdotes. In terms of the puns, the double entendres, just slamming back pints over and over again, singing songs, making up crazy, wacky songs, walking through walls. You can't beat a ghost for walking through walls. Now, now the, most of us here, we cannot see the ghosts that are in this room. Is that correct? How many here, by a round of applause, are members of the Ghost Club? That's right. I don't, I don't know if there's an American chapter. I should hope there's not, because Americans are by nature very skeptical, very rational. 
Okay, you know what you won't find it. Well, yeah, it's sort of like Native Americans would say, "This is our land," and, and the Americans are very skeptical of that. Yes. Oh, I, oh, I don't think so. Well, I don't know about that. I don't trouble myself with any politics other than Catholic. Oh, that, Catholicism that doesn't seem likely. They'd say. Americans uh, feel that spirits are to be avoided or evil things or wicked things. No, no, go sir, go sir, go They're a lot of fun. They're a total laugh. And I'll tell you one thing. There's nothing more satisfying than playing a prank on a ghost. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, are, what, are some of, what are some of the pranks that you've played on ghosts? Well, the meanest one that you can play on a ghost. <laughs> the meanest prank you can play on a ghost is to convince him he's still alive. Oh, that's just seems... And that his family and friends are waiting just around the corner to embrace him. <laughs> Now I'm telling you, that is a bit of a, that's a dicey. In Ghost Club, we say only one mean prank a month, okay? We're not sadists, okay? We're supernaturalists, Certainly. first and foremost. There's lots of, you know, you call the ghost on his phone. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Oh, yes, I do. Well, then you better fucking let him out. Hang up the phone. You know. It's, just, it's regular human pranks except see-through. It's the same thing. <laughs> may, I, may I ask? Why, why is this ghost answering the phone? Well, he's lonely. He's a ghost. He's dead. He walks through the moors at night. He can't touch his loved ones. Wouldn't you be lonely, HG? Don't you have someone special in your life that you want to embrace and not have your hands go... You wind up touching yourself. I, I suppose I do. Yes, I suppose I do. You wait till you're a ghost. I'll have such fun with you. Oh. <laughs> you watch out for Wee Wacky Willy once you die. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you might... It's just possible you might be a ghost before I am. Highly unlikely. With my diet and my healthy lifestyle, mark my words, William Butler Yeats will live to be 236 years old. Write it down. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't write that down. Oh, are we having... Uh, is, is, is it... It might be it, Jacob Marley. Is there some... <laughs> it might be old Jacob Marley. Is that you out there, Jacob? Ratting your chains and whatnot. <laughs> oh, I wish I was still alive to be an accountant for that asshole. Ebenezer Scrooge, don't worry about it. It's fine. You keep rattling in your chains, Jacob. I hear you. That's a five-minute warning for me. Some sort of drink special on slippery bottles. <laughs> um, uh, can we talk about uh, the wanderings of Ocean? Uh, Ocean? Do you not know your pronunciations, H.G.? Well, I, I, forgive me if my, if my Gaelic is a bit rusty. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have, uh, I don't have call for it uh, every day. Fair enough. We can talk about whatever that thing is you just mentioned. It would be my pleasure to speak on it. <laughs> the Wanderings of Ocean. Um, it's, uh, it, it was a, 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 a poem that you wrote. It's one of the few things... It's one... <laughs> I totally wrote the shit out of that. I totally forgot. Yes, Thank yes, you for yes, it's, uh, it does not take place in Nantucket, as uh, many of your poems may do. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Nantucket, oh, I see, you're giving, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're taking the piss. Yeah. You're taking the piss <laughs> out of old wee wacky willy. <laughs> Just winding you up a bit. Um, it's one of the few things you did not disown uh, later in life. Well, I love to disown shit. Why, why is that? Why do you, you Well, you, it's you so powerful to do something and put it out in the world and then disown it and say, no. I disown you. I defile you, and I despise you. Don't come knocking on my back door ever again, all you old poems. Oh, Willy, 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 why won't you, why won't you be proud that you wrote us? I say, because you're shite. I've moved on to another thing. Haven't you heard my poem about the lion with the head of a man fucking about? 
Vex the nightmare by her rocking cradle. What the fuck do you think that means? And you're sitting over here. Well, why don't you write about the Heather and the locks? Yeah. I moved on. I'm trying the to win what? a Nobel Prize. Wait, why did you write about the what? The Heather and the locks. Oh, the Heather and the locks. Yeah. I, do. I thought there was a new sort of man beast that you had created. <laughs> I thought, it was, I thought it was the body of a hair and then uh, the head of something else, but uh, I couldn't quite make it out. I might go ahead and write that down. That's a good one. Body of a hair, the head of a locks. I'm sorry, the body is made of hair. Well, you mean like a hairy man? I meant like a hair like, like a rabbit, but uh, I suppose... Ooh. <laughs> Very well, I didn't realize we were going to call rabbits hairs. I didn't realize it was that Tony a crowd. <laughs> well, I hope I dressed for it. Oh, I, I didn't realize we were going to use the term Tony. I'm... I'm certainly glad I wore a tie. Pretend, what shall we call giraffes? Hmm. <laughs> the fancy word for giraffes. Just tell me what level of description we're using to identify animals and I'll dress accordingly, HG. I didn't realize this would be like that. Certainly. We won't be discussing... Turtle, tortoise, what is it going to be? <laughs> we won't. Am I dressing for turtle or am I dressing for tortoise? <laughs> That's Misty, what I... Misty, 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 Misty Yates, you seem very... I feel as if I've offended you in some way. It's I right. do apologize. No, no, no. I'm a prankster and I like to have fun. You like to have fun. And I like to have a few pints and get to a bit of trouble. And is only that so bad? Only is that one so bad? Mean, only one mean prank a month. With ghosts. With ghosts. Oh, unlimited with humans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to the sky with humans. That's what I say. Have you ever seen, you know, there's these television shows where they, where they prank people. They, they, they pull jokes on people, on, on celebrities and so forth. And they, they trick them into thinking that they've done something wrong, that they're in trouble in some way. And then... At the end, oh, I say, have you seen this show? It's called <laughs> Just for Laughs Gags. It's a, it's a French-Canadian television program. And, um, and so uh, what they the do... The show is called Just for Laughs Gags. Yes, well, there's... there's so a objectively, it is the funniest show of all time. <laughs> well, it's quite a boastful title. But they have a... They have I would a, say they said in a bar, Pretty Hider. They have a festival called the Just for Laughs Festival. Um, and then they have this television program that's produced by the same people that produced the festival oh. called Just for Laughs Gags, where they pull uh, practical jokes on people. And they film it with their cameras and whatnot. They <laughs> the moving daguerreotypes. Yes, that's right. Please keep in mind I was born in 1865. No, I, I, I never forget it. Okay. Um, but yes, I do have they, that vibe. And then this is put on... Uh, <laughs> I have that vibe, a fellow that would forget that. <laughs> oh, no. I have the vibe. Oh, of you a have the vibe. Fellows born in 1865. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Certainly. So they, they, they pull these pranks on unsuspecting people. Um, uh, you know, someone will say, uh, uh, you know, it's all, it's, all, it's all silent. It's like silent film comedy um, because it's, uh, they broadcast it everywhere all, all over the world. And so um, you'll see a, a fellow uh, walk up, he's holding a baby, and then he, he sees a fellow standing in the street and he mimes uh, to the fellow something like, oh, I, <laughs> I, there's something I have to do. Would you hold my baby for a moment? And then the fellow nods his assent and he holds the baby, and then the baby, I don't know, it turns out Does to be... Does it die? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, it's, not a, it's not an Irish prank show. <laughs> Does the baby starve to death because there's no fucking potatoes no, to the be baby, in? No, no. The baby would turn out to be a, a false baby made of balloons or something. It would float Aww. up out of the man's grasp. The and would false be, baby prank. Of yes, and he'd be very concerned. And then the theme music plays and everyone has a good time. Well, that sounds like a lot of laughs. I think you, I think you might enjoy it. Shout out to Just for Laughs Gags.
putting it out there, uh, public knowledge now on the record, this is one thing I won't disown, that I, William Butler Yeats, the first Irishman to win a Nobel Prize, would find it to be my life's highest calling if I could be a prankster on Just for Laughs Gags. <laughs> a show of silent pranks with nothing but music and joyful <laughs> joyfulness all about. Is that true? Is that a fair assessment of this content? Uh, yes. W would you like to hear the theme song before you make your final decision? I would dearly love to hear the theme song. Ba -da 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 -da. Ba -da 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 -da. Oh, that's all you need to hear. I have a very six, musical sensibility. Six notes Yo. and you're in. I can tell based on the first six notes of any theme song whether there's a lot of laughs and gags to be had or whether it's just a, a false alarm or false flag operation, as we say. Mm. As we say, right. yes. Writers. Um, can we talk a bit about, uh, about your love life? Because it was very complicated. Oh, I say. <laughs> nearly, nearly a genuine spit take. Let's endeavor to tread lightly. Certainly. Anything, anything with which you are uncomfortable, you, you, you may simply uh, uh, raise your hand and say, I'm sorry. I'd rather not discuss that. So the protocol is this. I'm sorry. I'd rather not discuss it. That's right. But it must be those exact words. <laughs> or I will, with the hand gesture, or I will continue to discuss oh. it. Well, now you're taxing an old man's memory, and that's a losing proposition there, HG. But very well. I'll, I'll have at it. Go for it. Ask uh, me whatever you want. I'm an open book. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's true at all. The book is written in cold, but it's open to anyone who endeavors to discover what, what lies within. And if you can crack the code, I guarantee you will have a whole cracking lot of fun together. Um, Maud, gone. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. I don't want to talk about Maud. Is that what I'm supposed no, to say? No, no! Oh. Now you must, by the pact that we have made this night, you must discuss this lady. She was a great love of yours, and uh, you, you proposed to her three times. Okay, we don't need to rub it in. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm not, not rubbing it in, but, but it's certainly, um, she, had, she, was a, she was a muse of yours, and she, she had a profound I, she effect was. on you. Absolutely profound. Um, Absolutely profound. She, she turned you down, um, and she got married uh, to a fellow named uh, McBride. Um, and you, you, did not, uh, you did not take kindly to that. You, uh, you attacked him in your, in your poetry, and, um, and you wished... But, but to be fair, everyone around you in your social circle uh, said that the marriage was doomed to fail. Well, all the lads down at the pub would take me aside when I was crying into me Guinness, and they'd say, we wacky willy, we know that your wacky willy will someday find its way into Modgon. And that would be a wonderful night. And this other fellow she's run off with, McBride? Yeah, he's a tosser. <laughs> you, uh, you always need lads down at the pub to stiffen your spine when things get rough. <laughs> uh, you said of her uh, later, um, it seems to me that she brought into my life those days, for as yet I saw only what lay upon the surface, the middle of the tint, a sound as of a Burmese gong, an overpowering tumult that had yet many pleasant secondary notes. It's true, I did say that. Do you stand by that today? You know, you're making me melancholy here, my old friend. I'm very sorry. It was, a, it's a love for the ages, and it's not without its complications. Desire can be a very vexing, very thorny proposition, especially for someone as sensitive as myself. A writer who is so in touch with his emotions that he won a Nobel Prize and a shit ton of money. 
And obviously, my love from odd, and it was unrequited for most of, most. Well, we don't have to. Well, we do. Um, <laughs> eventually, uh, uh, she and McBride were separated, and um, uh, eventually, in Paris, you finally consummated uh, your relationship one night, and um, Maud was uh, instantly regretful. And you remarked, and this is a this is a very this is a very sad, sweet and sad thing. The tragedy of sexual, sexual intercourse, intercourse is the perpetual virginity of the soul. The tragedy of sexual intercourse is the perpetual virginity of the soul. And all you young people here tonight who are in full bloom of your sexuality, and you're enjoying the thrum and the throb of your own inbeingment, you need to remember that the tragedy of sexual intercourse is the perpetual virginity. Of the, of virginity. What was it? <laughs> now Hold on, I'll try it again, I'll try it again. Yes, I know you'll get it. I'll put it to you in, I'll put it to you in a slightly different form. Certainly. A little polish on it, why not? A little punch up. Sexual intercourse is tragic. Though some may say it is magic. <laughs> the virginity of souls Leaves nothing but holes in your heart. And that's what it's all about. Thank you very much. Ah, I can't dismount. <laughs> I've had too many pints to get to, to nail the dismount. Well, there's only, well, there's tragic, there's magic. Is there even another one? Elastic? Half rhyme? Do we count half rhymes? No. We, d we do not count okay. half rhymes. Tragic, magic. Nostalgic. Nostalgic. No, not where I come from. That would never rhyme. That one too. Nostalgic. If it were nostalgic, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps if it was an entirely different word, yeah, that might work. But that's not the game we're playing. Oh, yes. If we made up a word, I bet that would work. Um, she, she really did uh, push you away. And, and uh, she, she said, I have prayed so hard to have all earthly desire taken from my love for you. And dearest, loving you as I do, I have prayed and I am praying still that the bodily desire for me may be taken from you too. Now, that's a very roundabout way of saying, I like you as a friend. Believe me, the message came through loud and clear. <laughs> and do you know what I said back to her? No, I do not. Well, I'll put it to you like this, because oh, I don't oh, fit oh. on a bumper sticker, so be warned. Certainly, certainly. When you're old and gray and full of sleep and nodding by the fire, Take down this book and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of their shadows deep. How many loved your moments of glad grace and loved your beauty with love false or true? But one man loved a pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. And bending down beside the glowing bars, murmur a little sadly how love fled and paced upon the mountains overhead and hid his face amid a crowd of stars. Dash that off and send it to her. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then she responded by uh, sending you letters uh, praising the advantage given to artists who abstain from sex. So she was, she was sticking, sticking to the company line. I put it to you like this. Maud's, Maud's mastery of subtext is, 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 is bludgeoning. <laughs> Can I say that? Certainly. It's bludgeoning. Certainly. Yeah, you might, you, might do, you might have a better career if you abstain from sex. I said, well, I've won a Nobel Prize, fuck you very much. I don't know how much more abstaining I need to do. Am I to win two Nobel Prizes? 
First Irishman to win a Nobel Prize, fucking my, fucking my way to that prize every which way, every night. <laughs> then Maud turns around and says, oh, you might have a better luck if you abstain from sex. Why, never. You, do, you, do you still love her? You know, HG, I'm going to put it to you straight. I'd rather not say. And it's a God's honest truth. <laughs> That's not putting it to me straight at all. <laughs> it's putting my desire to keep quiet on the topic. That's I, certainly true. I can't yes. be more direct. That's very, I that's shall very not direct. say whether I'm still in love and sexually obsessed with Maud Gon. <laughs> now, then you met, uh, you met Lady Gregory, and uh, with her and some others, you established the uh, Irish Literary Theatre, and the idea was you're going to do uh, plays um, uh, by the Irish for the Irish. So it wasn't just going to be uh, endless uh, uh, revivals of Shakespeare, but you were going to do your own, uh, your own plays. Um, it, it lasted for about two years, wasn't successful, uh, but then you got some other people on board, and you started the Abbey Theatre, which was a smashing success. Um, that was the one. That was the one that took off. They, they, they did your play uh, Kathleen Nehulahan, Lady Gregory's Spreading the News. <laughs> she was spreading more than the news, but that's... <laughs> Are we not among the literary elite? They can't handle a little innuendo, things like this. I, I, I think they can. I think, I think they would a just... Light dusting of sexual subtlety over the crowd. I don't, Enough I, to titillate, I, but not I, to engorge. You know how I, it is. I don't know if subtlety would be the word that I would have used What I mean is her legs she were was, wide she was, open. She was spreading more than the news. I One think I know what he's County saying. One ankle in Kilkenny and the other ankle in County Cork and everything between was wide open for grazing. Is that, is that, I don't know if that even counts as innuendo. Now you're being direct. <laughs> you, were, you were a politician as well. You were elected to the, uh, the Irish Free State as a senator uh, for two terms. Um, and uh, during the aftermath of the First World War, I'll get to you in a minute, Jacob. I know, I know, you're getting impatient. <laughs> we gotta go find out, is Christmas coming this year? Oh, what's oh. You thought that uh, uh, perhaps the uh, political reconstruction in Europe would uh, come about through totalitarian rule, and uh, you, you had a friend, uh, Ezra Pound, the, uh, the famous uh, poet. Uh, he drew you towards Benito Mussolini, and uh, you expressed admiration for Mr. Mussolini on a number of occasions. Well, I... I'll admit, this is the kind of fact that's hard to put a positive bit to spin on. Vis-a-vis <laughs> -vis my admiration for Benito Mussolini. You're saying it's a, bit, it's a bit difficult to put a positive spin. I will say that the only reason that I thought Mussolini was a man to be admired was the abundance of limericks to which his surname could be applied. Such as? There once was a man, Mussolini. Actually, it's harder than you think. Can we trade this one off? Can oh, we go certainly back? Certainly we can. Certainly we can. There once was a man, Mussolini. <laughs> whom folks thought a bit of a meanie. Though the trains ran on time. <laughs> By the end of this rhyme, We'll all agree, 
He was a brutal fascist dictator who <laughs> deserved everything that he got. It's always, it's always the final line of any limerick. It's the hardest one. It's so true. It's so, there's got to be a lesson in there. It's got to be. There's yeah. got to be a lesson in there. You did eventually get married to uh, 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 a young lady. Uh, she was uh, uh, quite a bit, uh, just about half your age. Uh, Georgie Hyde Lee. Georgie, Georgie. <laughs> Pudding and pie. That's the end of that. <laughs> um, you did have one more try at, uh, at uh, proposing marriage to Maud. <laughs> after, after she became a widow, her separated husband had finally died. Um, but this was, uh, this was thought by one of your biographies to be more out of a sense of duty than, uh, than actual love at that point. Well, as, as, we, as we discussed, Maud and I had a long and tumultuous and torturous and uh, more or less one-sided romance. And I felt it was my bounden duty throughout life to let her know how that in spite of life's ups and downs and the storm, the storm winds and the gales of a woman's life, there was one constant there, there was one rock. And his name was Wee Wacky Willie. <laughs> and he was a man who loved that woman and he would have done anything for her. So I just every so often I proposed. It's a good, it's a... I'll put it to you like this. Ladies, is it not a good confidence booster if every couple of weeks a guy calls up, will you marry me now? Will you marry me now? Now that your husband has died, will you marry me now? It puts a spring in your step. It's, it's certainly more respectful than uh, proposing marriage while the husband is still alive. Right. Yes, it shows a certain thoughtfulness on the part of the gentleman suit. Well, you're going through the paper and you're reading the obituaries. Oh, so-and-so's died. Oh, I ring up his... <laughs> Will you marry me now? I just read that your husband has died. Now, Georgie was, uh, was uh, right on board with, uh, with the, uh, the spiritualism, the occultism. Um, uh, you, you, the two of you experimented with automatic writing. We were on a honeymoon. True story. It was on my honeymoon with Georgie that she decided to investigate automatic writing. Now I leave it to the imagination what kind of honeymoon you're on and how much fun you're having when your bride of 12 hours is says, you know what I think I'm going to take up on this honeymoon? Automatic writing. Where does that leave me? I'm fine over here with my right hand. I'll, I'll be just fine all by myself. Yeah, you go do your esoteric linguistic production experiments. It's only our honeymoon. It's not exactly uh, reading the girl with the dragon tattoo by the pool. Not exactly. So she's over there writing her gobbledygook. Ferns, baseballs. Spaceballs? Baseballs, oh, I said. Baseballs. She wrote ferns, baseballs, double-edged swords, toucans, mod gun, floorboards. What do you think of this, Willie? I said, yeah, we're having a wonderful honeymoon here. Sounds like a bumper sticker factory is throwing up. But, I, but to her credit, I will say that she introduced me to a whole different avenue to access these, these deep, profound truths that I was interested in pursuing insofar as I wanted to be taken seriously as a writer and a poet. Okay. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to slag on, on Sweet Georgie. Okay? Certainly. She introduced me to certain, certain uh, elements of numerology, shall we say, the number 420. Do you have that here in America? And Georgie really helped me open my mind and take my right into the next level. Yes, certainly. You, uh, together, you, you contacted a variety of spirits and guides that you called instructors. And uh, these spirits communicated 
a complex and esoteric system of characters in history. Uh, you did all these experiments um, uh, with the uh, trances, uh, uh, and the spirits would notify you that they, they would notify Georgie that they were ready to communicate by filling your house with the scent of mint leaves. And that's when you knew, uh-oh, spirits, spirits calling. Smells like mint in here. Well, Georgie called it mint, but we all know what she was really smelling. <laughs> you understand what I'm getting at here, right? <laughs> is, there, is there anyone who doesn't understand? In Ireland, we call it a shady shamrock. And Georgie, bless her heart, was such a sweet, sweet, innocent lass. She said, oh, I think that mint's coming through. I was like, yeah, whatever you say, Georgie. Where are the ghosts coming? Are the ghosts coming? Where are the instructors? <laughs> now, see, you sound very cynical. It's almost like you're sort of a Peter Venkman figure in this, in this whole, in your, in your own life. That you know all about it, but you seem very, uh, you seem very uh, No, the thing about. you need to understand about me is, I like having fun. <laughs> that is there's understood. There's nothing wrong with having a bit of fun. Nothing wrong with it? No, certainly not. And there's nothing more fun than judging people. <laughs> is that... Really? That was the most fun you got up to. <laughs> Who's your favorite person you've ever judged? <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anyone I haven't judged. Oh, really? If there's anyone you haven't judged? Yeah. You got around to everyone? Just about, yeah. Uh, have, you, have you judged me yet? I say for brevity's sake and for the sense of decorum, I think we should just move on here. <laughs> no, I have judged you, but I'll say this. I've judged you positively. You're a good lad, and I'm having a lot of fun here, and your time machine is wonderful. You keep all the brass knobs, polished spit shine. Is wonderful to behold. Not sure about the carbon footprint. I mean, let me put it to you like this. You can travel through time with your great, huge contraption, right? That's correct. Georgie and I, through our seances and, you know, our theosophy and our numerology and our mint leaves, we could travel anywhere we wanted in the astral plane. We never had to leave the privacy and comfort of our own home. That's sustainable. That's responsible. And best of all, it's free. Free? Well, Who is your hookup? <laughs> There's one thing that you're never supposed to reveal if you win a Nobel Prize. Oh, I'm my word, this is quite a scoop. Free weed for life. I. Why do you think people are so happy when they have the photo in the newspaper and they say, oh, I wrote this crazy thing about the genome and now I get a wonderful prize. Oh, I'm so happy. They're smiling because they know what they're really going to get. Is it five pounds a week, <laughs> private courier? Isn't it? Is it imprinted? It's sort of like the prescription is imprinted on the back of the medal. That's your that's your weed card. Four twenty, twenty four seven. Numerology. I'm telling you, it's all about the numbers. If you know how to read the numbers, remarkable vistas of understanding will open up to you. Well, now the the, uh, the Nobel Prize, uh, as, as we said, it did give you a, a, a great deal of money because uh, the, the sales of your of your published works uh, increased. Um, and for the first time in your life, you did have money, uh, and you repaid not only every debt that you had, but also the debts of your father. Well, I'm a great guy. <laughs> and my father was a great guy, and I felt like I owed him. 
Well, he certainly he introduced you to a world of uh, of, of artists and, and uh, artists. Well, we were living in London when I was a youth, and that was a great, you know, a great. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. We were living in London when I was a young man. And I was exposed to wonderful culture of all stripes, high culture, low culture, everything in between. And it was, it was due to my father's devotion and his dedication to the arts that I was exposed to these things. And, he, and I feel like in his way, he helped me become the man that I am. I said, the very least I can do is throw him some money his way. What were some of the big debts that he had? I mean, I imagine he, he, he'd racked up quite a bit being a sort of an artist. Well, he was... Uh, He was addicted to going into debt. <laughs> oh, no. You, but you know, some people are addicted to gambling, and yes. some people are addicted to drinking. Certainly. And that's what leads them to go into debt. This is one of the most costly addictions you can have. <laughs> but my father, bless his heart, is such a straight shooter. He said, I'm not to be bothered with all of these middlemen and whatnot. I'll be addicted to just going into debt. That's what I want. I want to chase that buzz. I owe $20, $40, $60, $2,000, <laughs> Irish dollars, obviously. Irish dollars, obviously. Irish dollars, the currency is Irish. So it was quite, actually, I will say it was quite a substantial investment on my part. To, when someone is addicted to debt itself, it's quite a substantial hole they've dug themselves into. Certainly, certainly. Well, you're a good son. Um... We have uh, just some time for some, uh, some questions from the social networking platform Twitter. We also, if there's anyone in the audience who has a question, uh, we do have a microphone here this evening. Um, so uh, just a few questions from Twitter. And if, if you do have uh, questions for Mr. Yates, uh, there's a microphone right here. If you would line up in this uh, aisle um, and then ask your question, then you can uh, uh, move on and go up that aisle and uh, hopefully the fire marshal doesn't show up. Um, from, from This Is Everything, that's what this person calls themselves on Twitter. Were references to the wants. occult in your work meant as metaphors for more prosaic subjects or meant to be taken literally? Repeat question. <laughs> were references to the occult in your work meant as metaphors for more prosaic subjects or meant to be taken literally? I understand the question. Actually, a very insightful question. Let this person know. <laughs> are, are we... Are well, we on a Ouija board right now? Who am I speaking to? No, we're not right on. No, this, 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 this is being recorded. This is being recorded uh, for later listening. So this person will be able to hear that their question made it. But to how the did we? There's no one here on stage. No, and no, I no, said, no. I can see all ghosts. So who is? I've how was this question conveyed? I've, Are you a medium? No, 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 no. I am not. No, no, no. These people have written these questions to me. I have collated them and brought them here this ah. evening. So the question. What's is, that? Okay, I'll answer a living person's question just this once. <laughs> Every obscure, esoteric, and mysterious reference in my poems is meant to be taken seriously. I don't truck with metaphor, and I don't fuck around with similes, analogies, all that whatnot. Everything I write is literally true. Okay? I'm telling you people, there is a shape with the body of a lion and Probably the head the of, of a man. Lion. Oh, the head of a man. <laughs> and it's coming to get you. So sleep with one eye open. A fellow named David Willems asks, opinions on Oscar Wilde, one of your countrymen? Well, he lived up to his name, that's for sure. And we had a lot of fun together. He was a bit of a grouch. How dare you? 
How dare you? This is for the children. Uh, assuming, assuming that we lived at the same times, we had a lot of fun together. <laughs> I'll have fun with any man who lives in the same decades that I also am alive. And even if not, if he's a ghost and he wants to have fun, let's say the ghost of Oscar Wilde comes to me. Willy, Willy, it's me, Oscar Wilde. <laughs> I wrote the importance of being earnest. Let's have fun. I say, fucking right, let's go do it, Oscar. Pop in my wagon, let's go down to the pub. <laughs> and you're allowed to play one mean prank on him per month. Only one, though, only one. Only one. Yeah. Uh, David uh, Willems also asks, uh, Yates, pen or pencil? Well, I only write in pen. I think anyone who has any interest whatsoever in pencils is a fucking loony. <laughs> you, you'd have to be an insane person. Also, you can smoke pot out of a pen and if you're in a pinch and you can't do it out of a pencil. That's true. Do you know I once smoked pot out of a CNI dog? <laughs> this is a fact about Wee Wacky Willy. Uh, Laura Pittinger asks, the state of theater is in serious decline. As the founder of the Abbey Theater, how do you suggest we turn it around? All plays should be seances. Oh, all of them? Aye. There should be no more plays. What does it profit a man to sit in the dark and watch people dressed up in costumes speaking in funny voices? Surely it's the lowest form of entertainment humans have ever devised. Certainly. You'd Agreed. all be better taking off your clothes and smelling some mint and touching hands in the dark and trying to send you, summon your grandmother. That 99% of that description did not sound at all like a seance. And you chuck your grandmother Hold in the on. end. Now I'm going to hold you to that, HD. <laughs> Sitting in the dark. Sitting in the dark, certainly. Touching hands. Yes. That bit came later. Taking off all your clothes. Oh, this is where. Taking off all your clothes so you can receive the vibrations from the other world. <laughs> and summoning your grandmother. I got three out of four at the very least. Certainly. Right, um, so now let's, let us take uh, questions from the audience. Uh, yes, you, sir. Uh, Mr. Yates, do you have a rival in the world of theater or the occult or poetry in the same way that Mr. Wells has a rival in the world of science fiction? Thank you for your question. I have no opponents when it comes to the world of the theater. I own that realm. I have no opponents when it comes to the world of poetry. I won a Nobel Prize. Now, when it comes to matters of the occult, there are certain ghostly apparitions and personalities with which I have beef. Mad beef? Well, that's, that's an idiom with which I'm not familiar. I would just say I have beef with them, which is to say I sit down with them and I have my corned beef and cabbage. Oh, I see. And we I hash do. out our differences like gentlemen. I apologize. Literary gentlemen. What about Alistair Crowley? What do you make of that fellow? You, uh, this is a, you know, it's actually, let me speak. Let me get on my high horse. Certainly, just just certainly. one moment. If I, can, if I can be high horse willy, as they used to call me. Behold a high horse. Now, I've only been in your modern times for just, but just a, f a few moments, but I, it's been long enough for me to realize with some consternation the constant reappropriation of words that I wrote for other people's nefarious commercial ends. Now, where I come from, we call these biters. 
So for instance, I saw a movie, No Country for Old Men, based on a book, No Country for Old Men. Well, why don't you fucking go read Sailing to Byzantium, which I wrote, which is the origination of that phrase. Not about some man in a crazy wig. Watch the most you ever lost flipping a coin. What the fuck are you talking about? That's not what my poem is about. Shots fired. <laughs> Thank and you I'm very sick much. and tired <laughs> of it. <laughs> Hi. I was just wondering, um, in, in your own time, you expressed quite a lot of contempt repeatedly um, for the Catholics, which you considered Aye. quite the scourge of Ireland. Um, what form of modern racism most appeals to you? Well, I, I've been here long enough to do deep research on all of Cormac McCarthy's film adaptations <laughs> and whether they violate copyright laws that concern me personally but I haven't had the time or inclination to research contemporary racism. I would assume that you've all solved it, have you not? <laughs> because in Ireland, racism is a huge concern. Do you have that here in America, racism? Uh, I think that's safe to say, yes. I think that's, I think that's safe to say. I would say. say there's a lot of anti-ghost prejudice, okay? Someone wakes up, oh, there's a diaphanous see-through man staring down at me in my negligee. I'm gonna be prejudiced against him. He's just a ghost having fun, okay? Life is short. Who you gonna call? <laughs> yes, this gentleman here. I have a question regarding your uh, short play, uh, Purgatory, uh, in which an old man recalls to his son uh, murdering his father when he was the son's age, and then goes on to murder his son with the same knife. What was opening night like? Well, like I told you, I like to have fun. It's just a bit of fun in the theater. We're all just having a laugh, you know. Don't read anything into anything that I've written. <laughs> okay, that's a secret to understanding literature. I'm gonna tell you right now. Don't Never read anything exactly. into anything that has ever been written. Exactly. Uh, yes, this young lady here. Um, my dear Yates, I was wondering. What well, people are, yes, people's I'm formalities increasing so, at exponential so levels. Don't sorry. don't shout me down, young lady. I'm still I'm still the host of the program, and I've mastered time and space. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm allowed to make a cheeky observation. I'm from the yes, 18th please. century myself. Um, sorry, so 19th. As an animal lover, let's just. Here. As all crazed animal lovers are, I would prefer a proper description of the unicorn, please. You're asking me, WBH, Nobel Prize winning Irishman, the first ever Irishman to ever win such a prize and get all that money dumped on his front lawn to describe From, a unicorn. Not to mention the correct. free weed. <laughs> this, is where, this is where it really pays off. I'll like, do you, you one know. better, I'll describe you a toucan of corn. The body of a toucan. Is it a candicorn unicorn? A, two, a toucan corn? Is a toucan corn. The body of a toucan. <laughs> the face of a horse. <laughs> and the horn of a unicorn. So now go now, home and sleep on wait, that. Wait, wait, if I may, if I may, if I may, if I may. So it's got the body of a toucan. The bird, the, the jungle bird. Ah, uh, you got it, yeah. Then it's got the face of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> but what's, the, what's the weight proportion? Please, please I, I've got it, dear. Thank you very much. <laughs> the face of a horse, but the horn of a unicorn. So it's not a toucan with a unicorn head. It's got a separate horse face. And then a, <laughs> a unicorn horn 
Let Coming me put it to you later. I'm going to put it to you like this. If you hang out with Charles Darwin, you spend enough time with Charles Darwin, he will elucidate for you the subtle differences between a horse face and a unicorn face. Sure. And they are there. Sure. Okay? Read the origin of the species. When he went to Galapagos, he said, fuck me, there's a fucking unicorn riding around here. How the <laughs> fuck did that happen? And his face is subtly different than that of a horse. So that's why I made that distinction. The face of a horse and the, horse of, and the horn of a unicorn. Certainly, certainly. I, 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 forgive me, I believe that it, 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 subsequent uh, editions of Origin of the Species have left out the phrase, fuck me, that's a unicorn. <laughs> yes, this young lady right here. Um, hello, Mr. Gates. I was wondering um, how you feel about people who do not believe in ghosts. Ooh. Are, are you talking about people who aren't afraid of no ghosts? No, who don't believe in ghosts. Round of applause. How many people here this evening do not believe in ghosts? What? Round of applause. How many people here believe in ghosts? Okay, everyone who just applauded is coming back to, with me to my trailer. I'm going to smoke the special mint. Your trailer. I'm communicate with ghosts. Your trailer. I don't know if people here know about podcasts. My podcast. trailer with all my blacklight posters, the one that requested. I don't know if people know about podcast trailers, but <laughs> it's a little secret. I'll put it to you like this. People who don't believe in ghosts, they don't believe in ghosts because they can't see ghosts. And those are the very same people who say, oh, gravity, gravity, it's the bee's knees, it's everywhere. Look at this apple falling. I don't see shit, I can't see the gravity. It's the same thing. You should believe in everything you cannot see, and you should distrust everything that you can't see. And that's the secret to metaphysics. And my name is William Butler Yates, and I said that. <laughs> there you go, William Butler Yates, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. To learn how you can contribute monetarily or otherwise to an 826 chapter near you, go to 826national.org. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying, the show is over. <laughs>